Once again, we are the Lunch Pail Draftcast, back again like we never left. It's been almost a year since our last recording. A lot of things have happened since then. I got married. Jacob is now of legal age to consume alcohol. <laughs> and um, we're here to give you our first episode of the draft season. Uh, the Senior Bowl wrapped up. We have a new Super Bowl champion, the Los Angeles Rams. I almost said St. Louis Rams. Jeez. <laughs> That's five years, man. Come on. But... Today, Jacob and I are joined by a guy I like in the uh, blog world, one of my favorite writers in the Chicago area, Luis Medina, who also happens to share an alumni association with me. Please welcome the SIU Saluki, Luis Medina. Luis, how are you feeling this morning? I feel great. I am excited to talk about guys that I like in this draft and guys that I hope are in a Bears uniform and Hopefully we don't talk about too many guys who are good who end up in elsewhere in the NFC North. That's that's always my favorite thing. It's like I love this guy, and then like the Vikings take him. Just like, oh, you son of a. It's all Lou. <laughs> it's always the Vikings. It's never anyone else. It's like, oh, I like this guy. All right, he's in Minnesota. Cool. That's yeah, and it's, it's, it's always because uh, Rick Spielman would always trade down, and he have so many picks to work with. I don't know what the new uh, regime is going to be like, but. Man, I just got, I get so angry all the time. I'm like, man, I really liked, you know, Minnesota's like, oh, draft class. Again. Exactly. Like, <laughs> Christian Darisaw was around one guy, so I guess that doesn't really count. But uh, if it's someone like a Patrick Jones or something, the edge rusher out of Pittsburgh, I'm like, dang, that's a good pick, you know, like in the third round. Like, I yeah. thought that's all value, but we'll see. I- I'm hoping, I'm hoping for good things this year. Definitely. You've been talking, Jacob. Why don't you go ahead and say hello to everyone? Hello. Hi. Hi. I'm Jacob Infante. <laughs> What's up? Uh, <laughs> just very, very informal right off the gate. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm over here. Windy City Gridirons lead draft analyst. I put on my little fancy hat or whatever the hell. But yeah, no, I'm a. Uh, I'm excited to be able to kick off Lunch Bell Draftcast again because yeah. last year we had a lot of fun with it. And yeah, we uh, did. And you know what? It's going to be a lot less stressful this time around because we kind of concocted this thing in late March and we put about, I think, 12 recordings out in a span of four weeks. It was a lot. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. We were uh, like cranking those out. So now this time we have yeah. a little more time. Uh, we can space things out a little bit and, you know, start to go a bit more in depth because. Uh, like regardless of wherever you guys are at, like those of you listening uh, in your draft process, whether you know the top guys or, you know, like all the, the day three small school guys, you know, absolutely nobody, uh, you know, this is just going to be able to, you know, ease you guys right into it and we'll be able to uh, hopefully enlighten you guys and maybe, maybe entertain you a little bit. I don't know. I, I don't think I'm very entertaining, but I, I'm sure the other two here will Man, you know, be I able just... to carry the load there. <laughs> I mean, I just know coming from me, like I'm sitting here, I got Jacob Infante, who was on Adam Rank's awesome podcast. <laughs> you know, he's not, he's not big time in me. And then I got Luis. Man, I'm just, I'm just a guy here saying hello to everyone. You know? <laughs> Out here living the dream. <laughs> That's how it goes. All right, gents, let's go ahead and start it off. Um, I guess I, I've watched a little bit of the practices on that I had recorded and whatnot through, through, and, uh, you know, you, you read stuff here and there. I wasn't down in Mobile, but it sounds like Mobile really kind of belonged to the trench daddies, the big fat fatties up front, and mm. whether it be offense or defense. Like, 
from what I've watched on film, like the, the defensive line looked like to me, like it was the bell of the ball down there in terms of just talent overall, like whether you were talking about interior or uh, edge rushing, I just want to kind of get what your guys saw down there or if like there was a specific guy that really caught your eye on, you know, whether you were watching the film or, or whether you were down to practice, like Jake, I think you were down to mobile, right? Or not mobile, but uh, were they mobile this year? Yeah. I keep saying they, mobile. Yeah. Mobile. Yeah. Like, God. yeah. No, they things were. are being I, changed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I uh, I wasn't able to make it down this year, unfortunately. Uh, we did send Robert Schmitz and uh, Jeff Burkus down there, which, you know, that was really cool to be able to hear their firsthand perspectives. I'm hoping next year. I'm hoping next year I can pull it off because, you know, it'll be I, – I just wasn't able to pull it off with my schedule, unfortunately. But uh, it's a lot of fun down there for sure. So what I was able to mm-hmm. see in terms of practices in the game, uh, I definitely agree. I think the defensive line is a very – uh, impressive group at the senior bowl this year. I think one guy, especially who stood out to me was a uh, Perry Winfrey, the, uh, the D lineman out of Oklahoma. And I think he's the type of guy you're looking at as an ideal three tech in, you know, at the next level, just because of how quick he is. Like he's a big guy. He's not a pushover by any means, but he's able to generate pressure along the interior. Like very few guys in this class can just, how like explosive he is and how quick twitched and everything. And he's got a solid uh, u- uh, ability to use his hands well to, uh, to disengage at the point of attack. But there's, there's a lot to like in that class. I think that uh, Cameron Thomas was another guy uh, that out of San Diego state, he's a bit of an edge rusher, defensive line tweener. Uh, but I think that he also had a good, uh, good performance overall. Uh, I'm trying to think of a couple more off the top of my head. Uh, I'm sure there are a handful because it's a good defensive line class, uh, in, at least in my opinion. I don't know if there's uh, like a bona fide day one first round type of guy, but you're, you're also looking at uh, like Logan Hall out of Houston is another one of those tweener guys that I really like. Travis Jones out of UConn's a big one tech run stuffer type of dude. There's a lot to like in this class. So uh, D-line, I definitely agree with you. That was huge in this class. A lot of guys really stepped it up. For sure. Yeah, this and senior, Lou, how about you? I was going to say, yeah, this senior bowl was really interesting uh, in terms of, of how to watch it, especially from a Bears perspective. Uh, new GM, new head coach, new scheme. You're looking for new players. You're not you – know, we had grown accustomed to looking for certain types of players under Ryan Pace because when you're seven years with a, you know, following a GM – he has his guys. He has his trends. Um, I found myself gravitating to the offensive uh, side of the ball on the offensive line. Uh, the guy who stood out to me uh, in, in watching and in reading stuff uh, from people who were down there was Zion Johnson, the, the kid from Boston College. Center, guard, really holds his own. The type of player like you want to kind of build your interior of the offensive line around. And he's a guy, I think, who could be a second-round pick. He has the he has the kind of vibes where if he tests really well at the combine and we get some more like fluff pieces on him, like he's a guy who ends up at that back end of the first round. But that's the kind those are the kinds of players that I love watching for at the senior bowl. Guys who you know, multiple year starters have potential uh, positional versatility and kind of play with a little bit of an edge. Um, you saw that a lot at the in the trenches, offensive side, defensive. There's another guy. And his name slips my mind, so I have to check my notes. Um, like Trevor Penning was a guy from Northern Iowa who 
lot of the year was, yeah, yeah, second round, maybe first. And now it's just like, eh, top 15 pick. Um, there wasn't so much as skill position players that I wanted to see. There was a cornerback, uh, Roger McCreary from, yeah. from Auburn, who kind of caught my eye. This Every year I, I keep thinking about how the senior bowl always opens my eyes to different players who I wouldn't have been thinking about who happen to fit things that I like in guys that I want on my favorite team, guys who play good tech, technical ball, who don't make a lot of mistakes, who make, don't make a lot of dumb penalties. Those are the types of players I love to target. And that's what the senior bowl brings to us. And I, I can't, I, I watch it every year with the intent of finding someone that hopefully ends up on the bears. Oh, for sure. And then it's like, it's funny how I'm sure Lou, you remember when we were like, you know, I, I don't mean to single you out, Jacob, but you are a fair bit younger than Luis and I. When when the Senior Bowl first started getting aired on NFL Network years ago, the Senior Bowl was for guys who were like almost an afterthought in the draft process. Like they would go down there to Mobile to almost get noticed and like show that they were they were worth drafting. Like you know, it's funny when you see someone like Chancey Stuckey becoming a wide receivers coach at uh, I believe Michigan right now. And I remember when he came out of college and like he, I mean, he was a solid college player, but he had to go to uh, <clears throat> Mobile in order to like kind of get his draft stock up coming out of Clemson. You know, it, it's just funny how it works. And now like when you go down there, it's like the who's who of like, who's going to get drafted at senior class. Now it, it is like just, it's just a difference. Um, but on that a guy I really liked in terms of his film and it's not sexy film because Jacob knows I love nose tackles and it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's something I can't shake. And he, a true nose is not going to fit in what Matt Eberflus does. It's why I think majority of our agree are in agreement when we say uh, Eddie Goldman has probably had his last hurrah as a bear, but that is Fedarian Mathis. And <laughs> he's just a, load of a man <laughs> he's like he he's a true nose he doesn't really like have like the sack or the pass rush numbers but he does anchor well he pushes people around he holds his gap he makes his plays in, in it within with like what he's asked to do and he anchors well like he does he just sets and he he pushes you around for lack of a better term does he have a fit in chicago no not really but I just find him to be very joyful to watch. And it sounds like he did have a nice week down in Mobile. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think with Federian Mathis, the big thing with him is just the upside. I feel like he's, he's a bit raw. I'd like to think, I think that from a technical perspective, from uh, just the flexibility in his lower half, I think can improve a little bit, but he's quick. He's quick off the ball and he's got a nice, uh, like raw power in his frame and he's a big dude too so yeah he's there's... six four three like roughly 315 pounds yeah yeah like that's that's damn good size for an NFL guy <laughs> at the next level that's so big man that's a big yeah. boy <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right uh, another guy I want to talk about he's he's an edge rusher so I don't know about you guys. I don't really consider edge rushers to be defensive linemen. Whenever people talk about D linemen nowadays I just think about interior dudes. Like, that's just the way that my mind goes. So, I guess kind of sort of related, but 
I think Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State had a killer weekend or in a killer week in general. I think that uh, he just he just straight up dominated, honestly. And there are a handful of other guys too I can touch on, like Boye Mafe out of Minnesota was really good. I think that Mafe's uh, athletic ability is insane, and I, I expect him to test very well at the combine. But uh, I do want to talk about Jermaine Johnson though, because he really broke out for Florida State this year. So uh, you're looking at a guy who's like he's a solid athlete, but he wins with technique and just strength. Like he's a nasty dude who's able to push the pocket well. Got a nice arsenal of pass rushing moves to be able to penetrate the backfield. Another big guy, and he's not like a bad athlete by any means. So Jermaine Johnson, I think, definitely made himself some money. He's a guy that. I think a lot of people were talking about as a second round guy, but now you're kind of looking at him and say, okay, he's probably going to go in the first round. It's just a matter of where. Mm-hmm. I love guys like that, man. Guys that win, win with technique at a big college program, show out at the senior bowl. Those guys, I love drafting and I love following them because once they get to the pros, a lot of them will get, you know, you get that pro workout regimen, you get that pro training, you get that pro, you know, meal plan. And then you really start to, that's when you really start to see some of their skills shine through. And it's just like, man, how come this guy wasn't, wasn't on our radar before? And so often it's because, well, you know, when you're in college, you can, you can get, get away with things when you're a superior athlete or you're not able to, you know, commit yourself because of other things that you got going on in school and in life. Love guys like that. That's the kind of guy that I'd love to, you know, keep track on as this draft process moves on. So, so Jacob, you kind of touched on the defensive lineman from Minnesota. I wanted to jump to the other side because I was really excited to see how Daniel Falele was going to produce down there. And his tape is funny just because he's, he's abnormally large. Like he <laughs> is, he's big, even by like big people standards. It's, yeah. it's, unbelievable he's like six nine like 380 pounds or something like that like and it it was kind of like last year like it was the reason I went back and watched Spencer Brown after his way in at a senior bowl I was like oh that dude is huge out of northern Iowa and it was the same thing like with Flaley this year when his measurements came out I'm like I gotta go watch him again (laughs) and I I turned him on it was like I don't know if he's great and it sounded like he had a really up and down week when I was hoping he would really dominate because I like that size, like you should be able to, you know, kind of just impose your will on anyone. And he, in theory should be a plug and play run blocker just because like, it's like, Hey dude, go forward, push people away. It's more the fact that Minnesota runs a super RPO heavy offense and he wasn't asked to really do his five-yard sets and stuff like that when it comes to pass setting. I, I was really hoping that he would show adeptness just because he is so large. Like, he, he doesn't have to work outside in with a lot, like a lot of tackles do because of his just frame. Yeah. He could almost work inside out in his pass sets. But, I don't know, it seems like he's a project. I was hoping for more out of him, but it sounds like he got worked a couple times. It sounds like he won a couple times, but there wasn't ever just that – moment where it like clicked for him and it was like I am better than these guys let me just do what I do and that was just kind of a letdown for me just because I I really kind of like the idea of him just based off of a sheer 
physical standpoint. Yeah, definitely. And I, I mean, I think that whoever drafts Daniel Falele knows that he, he's going to be a work in progress because I feel like w- when you're a guy who's that tall, like he, he struggles with getting low and that can affect his uh, just how much right. torque he's able to generate in his lower half. And it also affects his balance. And I feel like for someone who's as big as he is, uh, he can get pushed around. I mean, I don't want to say he gets bullied out there because <laughs> you can't bully a guy who's six eight, six nine, and nearly 400 pounds. But uh, maybe he doesn't get the most out of the physical tools that he has. But looking at that, I mean, you're still looking at a monster of a man who's just huge and can move really well for his size. Like, I think that if he doesn't make it to the NFL, there's a, there's a calling for him in the WWE as a future champion, I believe just because <laughs> of how much of a sheer, that's like a Vince McMahon project come to life more or less. But regardless, I think that, uh, yes, he's a bit raw. I think his football IQ can improve a little bit. It's just his general technique. Yeah. Uh, hand play it's his general technique. And it's just weird because he's not like clunky in how he moves. He he moves okay for a guy his size. Like, so it's like he, he just, it's like he needs refinement. And it's like, when you start getting past like the second, third rounders, that's what every one of these guys is like, Oh, he just needs this. He just needs that. Well, there's a reason they need these things. That's why they're, you know, falling. Yeah, no. And I I think with Falele, something to keep in mind is like, he only started playing football in 2017. Like he started as a senior in high school at uh, IMG, which I mean, IMG is an incredible school. So, you know, that goes to show just the sheer athletic talent he has, but he's still like relatively new to the game compared to like, you know, basically everyone who's coming into this draft. So I I think that there's going to be a bit of a learning curve there. If I wouldn't go first round with him just because of that, I think that I don't know for sure if he's the type of guy who can start all, uh, all 17 games uh, as a rookie, but there's something there. There are tools there. And I think someone's going to take a shot at him sometime on day two. Yeah. He's the kind of guy who, like you said, he's got some things to work on. He's got some, some flaws, but he's a guy because of his size and because of his pure ability, you could see him worked into lineups, worked into certain packages. Like, Hey, like go downhill, move some dudes, run behind this guy and then build him up from there. Kind of, kind of like how we used to see it done uh, with some guys, you know, we saw it done with James Daniels to an extent uh, a couple of years ago when he was a rookie. You know, the Bears started with Eric Cush at the left guard spot. They rotated Daniels in. And then once he got his, you know, once he got his bearings, then they unleashed him. Philele is the kind of guy where you could, I can see a, a smart team doing something similar. Get him in the goal line package, get him in some heavy sets, and then build up his confidence and build up his skills with game reps, but also through practice. I guess, Lou, the question then becomes, if you're going to build him up, should we nickname him Buttercup? I'm sorry. I, I'll stop. Boo! That. Boo! <laughs> Boo. <laughs> up for that one. <laughs> Gee, I hate myself. All right. So before we move on to our next topic, let me give a small break to our, to our ad guys here, and uh, we'll be back in a second. And we're back. Um, so – we, we touched a bit on the, the trench warriors and guys that ca- kind of caught our eye. Like I said, we're not going to go too deep on some of these guys because we'll have our uh, draft positional breakdowns that Jacob and I'll do where we go 
probably 15 guys deep on just defensive tackle. And it's like, it becomes monotony. This is just supposed to be a warm up and welcome back. Um, Lou, I'll leave the floor to you. What was a player at another position that you really like? You can go wide receiver, linebacker, safety, corner, floor is yours. Where do you want to go next? So there was a guy that I was looking at over the weekend who kind of had fallen off my radar because of an injury. And it's John Mechie, the third from Alabama. I look at him and I look at that injury and I, I go both, I go, I go multiple ways here. I see a potential luxury pick because drafting a receiver in the, you know, possibly in the second round in a receiver heavy class who has a very fresh injury seems kind of risky, right? But I look at his tape and I look at the highlights and I look at the skill and I think, man, if you can just get through that one year of of rehabilitation and, and getting him, you know, accustomed to the NFL life, man, the payoff could be huge. And with the Bears not having a first-round pick, I am looking for players with big upside who can pay off in big ways. And that's the kind of guy who, you know, if he slips, it's the kind of guy that I'd love to, to target if I was the Bears. They, they, could, they could get receivers in a number of different ways this offseason. But Mechie is the one that, like, man, this guy probably was like a legit first-round pick before he gets injured, and getting a first-round caliber talent in round two, that's that's always the dream, right? Right. Yeah, Mechie almost feels like the forgotten man of Alabama between last year and the years prior of, like, Henry Ruggs and the Slim Reaper and all these guys that were just in this wide receiver room at Alabama. And it's like, John Mechie's out here catching balls and – putting up yards and then he hurts his, I think he tore his knee up, right? Tore his ACL ACL in the SEC championship Um, game. And it's like, and then even he's, he's still the second fiddle of your thought this year with Jamison on the team. It's like, what else does that guy have to do have to get noticed? Like Mechie is someone you, depending on how teams feel about him, you could even see him fall into the third round because of that knee at such a late portion of the year. And because he was almost, I don't want to say an afterthought, but he was never the dude in in Tuscaloosa. You know, there's a lot that goes into it there, and it's like it's why you see I'm, I'm sure a lot of guys transferring out of Alabama every year because there's just no room for them to go play. You know, and I, I think with Mechie that no, I, I definitely agree that there's a lot to like in his skill set, and he probably is more or less the forgotten man with Jamison having his breakout year. Uh, with, you know, Mechie's injury and just how talented of a wide receiver class this is, which, you know, sucks for him because when I watched his tape, I feel like there's a legit argument to be made that he's the best pure route runner in this class. Yes. I think he's the type of guy he's, I wouldn't say he's quite at the level of Devontae Smith coming out, but he's the closest thing that this class has, in my opinion, to, uh, a sheer route running technician, someone with a variety of releases off the snap, someone who can consistently get low and explode out of his breaks. And he's a good athlete for sure. Like I think he's got, you know, above average agility and solid deep speed all told. But I think that what really makes him stand out is just how well he can get open. And the question with that is, okay, his knees shredded now, like what's going to happen with that? Is he going to be, able to separate consistently like he did at Alabama and what exactly is his ceiling at the next level? Cause 
I don't put a ton of stock into, okay, he wasn't wide receiver one, but you know, it is something to consider when looking at these guys, like, okay, if he can't be wide receiver one at his own school, could he be that at the NFL level? So, I mean, and and that's happened before. It certainly happened. I think I want to say DK Metcalf's a good example because he wasn't the, uh, the bona fide top guy at Ole Miss, if I'm not mistaken, but no, um, that was AJ Brown and still not, not quite the, he's much more the sexy fan guy, but AJ Brown is just been more productive to this point in their careers. And it's not, really to any fault of either guy you know I yeah, no. I would classify Seattle to this point last year was kind of a dumpster fire for them between yeah. the the speculation with Russell West, Russell Wilson not Westbrook uh, <laughs> never seen those two guys in the same place at the same time just saying that's true <laughs> <laughs> the bro, Brody and football pads yeah <laughs> I mean, um, they, they both but, got drafted by Seattle, so this I mean this is true. Just yeah. just just splits his time between Seattle and OKC or exactly. now LA. Yeah, because Westbrook he got drafted by the Supersonics, never played there because then they moved to Oklahoma City. But just saying, I think there's a conspiracy to look into here. Right. So kind of following on your little coattails there, Lou, of receivers, there was a guy down in Mobile that I started watching when I saw the rosters kind of start trickling out out of Nevada, Romeo Dobes. Dobes, Dobes, I think it's Dobes. And he catches my eye because he is a, you know, he's not big, big. He's 6'2", 200 pounds, but he, so he's bigger. But he's pure big play space. And he wins 50-50 balls. He's a downfield threat. And that's something that I think in terms of what the Bears are looking for, if we're looking at just this in a Bears-centric way, someone you could target in the middle of the draft and really be happy with what you come out with. Because he he's going to need probably a little time and not be re- relied upon in a major role. But he can be that spark plug where if you're running a lot of these play action shots downfield, like we think the bears probably should do given what field showed to be his strengths and weaknesses this past year, he could be an ideal fit going forward, especially when you factor in, like I said, the ball skills, the 50, 50 stuff, the, the big plays. And he, he just like, he almost seems to win right now. And in, in that, and with the Nevada team, by just pure athleticism, just explosion and ability to get downfield in a hurry. I'm not sure what you guys think about him, but he's just someone that I've only watched maybe a game and a half on him, but I do really like what I've seen from him. And then it sounds like he performed pretty well down at the senior bowl as well. Yeah, no, uh, I definitely think that. So I, I looked it up while you were on your spiel. It's a uh, Romeo dubs. Dubs. Dubs is out of football ball. name. That is a football that, name. That is a football name, yes. <laughs> and I've realized I've been saying Romeo Dobbs this entire time, and I never bothered dudes. So I'm <laughs> dumb. So. <laughs> yeah. that, that's the kind of guy you want to see uh, land in, like, Seattle or Denver with that name. Don't do that to me. Uh, don't, don't do yeah. this to me. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. come on. You, you you had one, Danny. You had, a, you had your dad. No, you stop it. No, no, mine was better though. <laughs> fine, 
okay. It, it's too early for this. It's too early for this in the morning, but no. <laughs> but yeah, so Romeo Dubs, I think, is the type of guy that again, there's a lot to like with him. And I think that a lot of it comes down to size and athleticism. He's the type of guy, put him along the boundary. Uh, I just love to see him. It's simple. Just watch him run like go routes and more vertical route concepts like that, because he's got some good buildup speed. He's got some good burst off the snap. And, you know, like you mentioned that physicality at the catch point, that contested catch ability, it's really impressive. So he's the type of guy I think will be a really good fit with, Justin Fields's skill set. Uh, I, I don't want to jump entirely off of him, but there's another guy I think kind of fits that mold too. And that's another guy who was down in Mobile. That's Christian Watson on North Dakota State. And I think that, oh, that, that, that is a, my co-host on the other show we, here on the Windy City Gridiron Podcast Network, Brandon Robinson. That's his guy. Yeah. Like he's convinced that if you pass him, you're passing the wrong dude. North Dakota State puts out some dudes every year. That's true. That's true. They've got shouts out to Trey Lance. They've got a good program over there, but that's in Fargo, right? Yep. Yep. Fargo. Fargo. Yeah. Because I remember I was up in uh, I was up in North Dakota like two years ago, and I'm like, oh, maybe I should, maybe I'd be able to, you know, go out to Fargo. Uh, And I was in like the far west part of North Dakota, and I'm like, okay, I got to drive like five hours just to get to the school. I'm not going to be able to see it, but I, I don't know why I said that. That's just my story of North Dakota. The only one I know. But. <laughs> I think you're one of like four people I know that has a North Dakota story. So yeah, <laughs> I'm in a high regard then I guess, but yeah, no, I think that Christian Watson, he's the type of guy uh, he's six, four and he doesn't move like he's six, four. And I, I think, there's some technical stuff to work on with him as a route runner, but he just moves so well and it's so much fun to watch. So uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see where he ends up. I feel like the consensus is a bit too low on him right now. I feel like people are saying more or less like round four, but I think that's going to rise. I have like an early round three on him. I know, you know, like B Rob, he's even higher on him than I am as like a, I've got a late three on them right now. So, okay. So, you know, it's similar, similar area more or less. Yeah. Late three, early four is where I think he would be. But I mean, like I said, it's all, I don't know how many times I can express this in so many words, but draft evaluation isn't science. It's art. Like there's different ways of looking at it. Like at like it's an, I, every prospect in a way it's its own abstract painting. Like, what do you see? Well, I see this. What do you see? Well, I see that. Like, none of us really know like and so much of it about it is the system they go to and where they end up and you know whatnot but I do you said you you know you brought up him I do want to ask both of you on a guy that seems to be coming the bell of like specifically Bears Twitter ball for like wide receivers and that's Calvin Austin the third and everyone seems to love him and you know we kind of similar in that same vein why I kind of brought up the art thing I I admit I have my biases against certain things. One of them is competition level. Like if you don't like play great competition, I kind of knock you for it. Not not that it's your fault, unless you're absolutely killing everybody you go up against. Like and it it's backfired on me in the past. I thought Josh Allen at Wyoming never really played up to competition when he played better teams. 
I thought he was very inaccurate. I thought he had a lot of question marks and he was more just a ball of physical skills versus something that you really could hang your hat on in terms of this is what he does well. Well, hold on. And you weren't wrong. Don't don't beat yourself up because Josh Allen, the pro, what is far better than Josh Allen, the, the college. Because the college guy, like, that's who he was. He was inaccurate. He was, a, he was an athlete playing quarterback. And that's the thing about some of these prospects that we're going to talk about starting now and through the, through the end of the draft process is these guys are going to grow. The best ones will grow. Mm-hmm. So you have to find those guys, find guys who – who you know do things well. Like, I love the wide receiver conversation we just had with, like, well, I know this guy, he can do this, this, and this, and this guy can do this and this and has this size. Like, they're obviously, like you said, it's an abstract painting, but it's just like, all right, can I hang this in my house? Is this going to be a good conversation piece? Can I can I hang this in my house? <laughs> so, yeah, it, that's yeah, what so I'm absolutely right. Prospects. Right. So, but then I see Calvin Austin, and – I like Calvin. I think he's quickly becoming someone I think similar to how I felt about Jalen Darden in last year's process where he's becoming the bell of the ball. And it's like, he's five, seven. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not like it's the only reason to like knock him. Like he's like, he's tiny. He gets, he doesn't win. he, He doesn't win 50, 50 balls really all that well. And he just, he just, and he has no ability to really break a tackle. Like, unless he's making you miss, he's not going to go through you and make an extra play kind of thing. Like, good player. I'd probably take him in the high part of day three. I don't really want to touch him any higher than that, but I just feel like right now, especially with what I'm seeing all over, like, you know, it's where you try to not get deterred into like changing your opinion on someone because you start seeing everyone else's love for him. And it's like, I don't hate the guy at all, but. I just see him in a different light and it has nothing to do with Anthony Miller also being from Nevada or not Nevada. That's Romeo, Romeo dubs. It's more just Anthony Miller or Anthony Miller being from Memphis. It like I scout players, not schools kind of thing. And all that. No, my, my, my Austin thing is, is has part partly to do with, with Miller and like, that's no knock on, on Calvin Austin. It's just that, once you get burned by a guy, it can be a pain and it, it, it can be hard to, to break that mold. And like, I see what you're saying. Like he's got some skill. You can see where maybe this works at the next level, but there are some, I don't want to say red flags. There's some yellow flags. Which is like, I don't like, you don't want to fall too far for a guy because then you're good. That's when you miss out on players who you should be keeping eyes on. So the way that's a good way, way of putting it. And then the, so remember when the Rams last year took Tutu Atwell? Yeah. So Tutu was a guy I really liked just on pure tape. I thought he was skinny. I didn't think he was as light as he actually weighed in when he weighed in. It was like, I think I had Tutu as around two late two early three last year. And then he weighed in and I knocked him down to like the fifth. I'm like, Nope, <laughs> I just can't, I can't have a dude who's 150 pounds playing football at the NFL level. Like he's got to get bigger. And I'm not saying it's a one-to-one comparison. They're different players. But I'm just saying that I, I kind of hold guys up to the same metrics here and there. It's like, oh, if I ding you for this, I'm going to ding you for that. It's it's everyone gets the same, you know, reasoning gotta, for my knocks. Got to be consistent. Right, exactly. Now, see, where I do think you could make up the value in Austin if you pick him up, especially if the bears do let someone 
like uh, the Texas Tech returner. Oh my God, I'm drawing a blank on his name. They traded for a midseason with the sixth rounder. Went to the Jakeem Pro Grant senior. Jakeem Grant. So if you let Jakeem Grant walk, Calvin Austin has returnability. And we saw the Bears take a return specialist in the second round who was just up for Canton this year. Now, I'm not saying he's Devin Hester, but I'm saying that adds to value. If you are a kick-ass return guy, that's just more value into what you bring. And and that's where I, I, I like guys like that. So, like, on the one hand, I have my concerns, I have my issues. But on the other hand, I love guys who can do multiple things. And especially through a Bears lens, it is – this is a team that has a bunch of free agents and a bunch of roster spots. And while it has a good amount of cap space, it's not going to be able to fill all its needs. It's a team that's not filling all its needs in one off season. So like, what should you be looking for? I think you should be looking for, and, and, and really this is just general draft NFL draft thought is like salute to general I, NFL draft. You got to find guys <laughs> who can play multiple roles when you can a guy that can play wide receiver and return some kicks and take some handoffs and, and play some special teams. That's why I like Jakeem Grant. That's why I liked Cordero Patterson when he was with the bears. Like, yeah, he's a great, you know, kick return special, but the guy was on coverage teams. The guy was taking handoffs. The guy can line up at receiver. When you have as many holes as the bears do, you really need to find guys who can fill multiple holes with just one roster. I think of it the way that, in baseball terms, the way Joe Madden used to manage the Cubs. It was just like, yeah, like 2015, Javi Baez was a great, you know, up-and-coming player, but, like, he played second. He played him at short. He played him at third. Chris Bryant was a great third baseman. Played him in left. Played him in right. Played him all over, all over the diamond. On a, in a football sense, you have to find those guys who can, yeah, I can line them up at receiver. I can line them up in the backfield. He can run a pattern out of the backfield. He can contribute on special teams. Those kinds of dudes you right. need to build a good football team. Yeah, exactly. Now, Jacob, while you uh, stepped away for a second, uh, Lou and I were talking about the guy that's become the bell of the Bears ball, as it were, that I, as I phrased him, is Calvin Austin III. Lou and I seem to kind of be on the same page as a lot of people were like, we're a little lower on him than it seems like a lot of the other draft community is like, not that he's, we think he's bad or he's anything like that, but it's like, it's hard to overcome five, seven. Yeah. In the NFL level. It, it, and if you remember, I gave Lou the, uh, the example where last year I had a late second or whatever it was on Tutu Atwell. And the second he weighed in at like 150 pounds or whatever it was, I knocked him down to the fourth because you just can't be that small. Now, does it mean he can't play? No, it does not mean that. It's more just football is a, it's a violent game played by really large men. Yeah. And that a guy like that needs to almost be used in a smaller capacity where you're using him almost like a I don't I hate the term gadget term player because it's such a like a backhanded compliment, but I don't mean it that way. Yeah. I mean it like you could line him up outside, you can line him up inside, you can have him return kicks and punch, you can have him even probably take a handoff or two just to get him the ball because he is lightning in a bottle. But I just don't know if that's a reliable guy that you want to take like in the third round with that pick, you know? Yeah, no. So my thing with Calvin Austin is I'm I'm a little bit torn because I've seen people projecting him as high as round two, which I'm not sure I agree with. I have like that uh late three early four on him right now I mean and that's still a work in progress obviously that like when I mentioned these grades I mean I'm sure it's the same for you guys but uh 
I still have more to watch of a lot of these dudes. Like, you know, and I'll, I'll be doing that over the course of these next few months here. But that size, it's it's going to be tough to overcome. I really think that. And for someone who's as small as he is, I think that he doesn't necessarily – he's not a bad route runner, but I don't think he's as technically sound as arguably he should be. And he, he wins a lot with speed. I mean, and he's really fast. You know, he's got that going for him. He's, you know, one of the fastest guys in this class, in my opinion. And he's the type of guy you get him the ball in space. You scheme ways for him to, you know, be able to make some moves. And he could break away for some big games. But I don't know how big of a role he's going to have early on in his career. I think that he's someone that, okay, you can give him a couple touches, maybe like, two or three catches a game and then like a designed run or something like that, uh, which, you know, that's not like a wide receiver one necessarily, but that is, you know, it's something. So I, I don't know exactly where he'll end up because again, that size is concerning and he's for the most part, I feel pretty one dimensional. Uh, he has a good speed release, but again, being that small, it's tough. It's tougher to, you know, break free from press and to be able to uh, combat like hand usage through your stems like that as a route runner. But he's fun to watch. I will say that he's a lot of fun to watch. I don't know where he ends up at the pro level. I don't know how well, how well he plays, but I know that someone who's that fast, I think someone's going to take a shot on him. Uh, at, at, you know, at some point, relatively early. I don't want to say like within the first two rounds, I don't think, but I think that there's uh, with that, with that speed, someone's going to be interested for sure. So I always wonder about, go ahead. I was going to say, I always wonder about guys like him who, when they make the the jump to the next level, they're going to be at a reduced load compared to what they were in college. And I always wonder how they adjust. Yeah. I just, I just don't know how he adjusts to being, a guy because we see we see it a lot when a guy does that jump gets a reduced role gets a couple steps tries to do too much complicates things ends up in a doghouse and, and that snowballs in a negative way i just that's a concern that i have and i think it's a fair concern for sure i, I tend to agree with you right there Lou. so before we move past the wide receivers just because we have gotten a little long on them i i have to bring one up just because of his local connection to the Chicago area. And that is from, I guess what you would call the Cinderella team of this year, who made it to the college football playoff and everything with the Cincinnati Bearcats. And that's Alec Pierce. Mm. Um, um, I, I have an affinity for him mainly because he isn't like, for lack of a better term, a white slot guy. I think yeah. he's really <laughs> interesting because he's this big physical, fast wide receiver and a, want to say was the number one for uh, that Bearcat team. He was. And he – I find him really interesting because I know he hasn't tested yet, but at least on tape, that dude will go. Yeah. <laughs> and Physical player, yes. Yeah, and just he's big, he's strong, he's fast, and it's like – uh, he reportedly runs a mid four fours. Like we'll see again when when those time when that time comes. But like I think like specifically where when I when I've watched the couple games of him that I have specifically more when I was watching Desmond Ritter this year because breaking Desmond Ritter is still Desmond Ritter. Um, 
but uh, if you try to man press Alec Pierce, he is going to torture you. Yeah. <laughs> he's too big. He's too strong. Uh, yeah, I feel like Stacey King right now. Too big, too strong, too fast. <laughs> like, And I just really enjoyed watching him. I don't know where to put him. Like, do I put him in the second round? Do I put him in the third round? I really like what he brings to the table. And it's cool, like, especially when you start reading about him after you start watching tape, because, you know, you start doing di- di- a small dive on their personal background. He's from Glen Ellen. Like, he went to Glenbard West. He's he's a local kid. So it's like, it'd be kind of a cool story if he were to end up back in Chicago. And, again, the big play threat, he would fit a need that this offense would have. And something that I personally would like the Bears to do, especially after watching the games and the film this year of the bears, those wide receivers were not physical. They were getting pushed around Pierce. You're not going to push them around. And I think they need some, especially if you're going to do a lot of what does, what they, you know, the Shanahan style offenses, you need receivers that are going to be willing to buckle their chin strap and go put a block on someone. And it's been a while since the bears have really had one of those guys like Darnell Mooney tries, but he, it's just a physical component that he physically can't do. Yeah. Pierce, I'm sure he'll do it just fine. I just want to know if you guys have watched him at all and where you kind of see Alec Pierce before we move on. Uh, Pierce, funny enough, came up as a Bears projected second round pick in the post Super Bowl Bleacher Report uh, scouting department draft. So uh, that, that. look at that. I put him on my radar. Um, yeah, and then I saw some of the same stuff in, in brief that you saw. Bigger guy, physical, you know, willingness to to you know kind of get his nose dirty. I had I had brought him up in conversation with a friend, and I'm gonna I don't want to get killed for this, but I might. Watching his watching the brief stuff that I did reminded me of watching uh, Antonio Brown, Dan LeFever. It was at Central Michigan when they were in school. Yeah, where I know a lot of people that, were super big on LeFever as a prospect, and I'm just like, you know, this Antonio Brown guy is is, is making some awesome plays on the ball. Like that's how I felt watching. Pierce. That is Mr. Big Chest to you, sir. (laughs) My apologies. Also, I feel like I should mention uh, in the corner here, I got my Bennett Academy flag, Dan Lefevre, a famous alumnus of Bennett Academy. Oh. One in the same. Look at that. But does he have a monument next to Frank Kaminsky's monument, though? His number is retired. I know he's got like a a banner. (laughs) Nice. him, Frank Kaminsky, and there's—I think there's one other guy. I don't remember who it is, but I know for a fact that those two numbers are retired. And uh, I don't—I don't know. That, that's just a little fun anecdote. But yeah, no. Sorry to cut you off, Luis, but yeah, I, I just thought—I just thought I'd bring that up because oh, not, not very fun. often that you get the chance to talk about Dan LaFever. Don't you love the draft? It brings out—it brings out some names. <laughs> really oh my God! Does it bring out some names? That is a. Uh... That's a thing, right? Dan Lefevre. So fun, fun, quick story about Dan Lefevre. If you had the last NCAA football game, he was on that Central Michigan team with Antonio Brown. He was broken in that game. He was essentially Tim Tebow on steroids because he was faster. Yeah. I never did did play as that Central Michigan team, but I'm kind of regretting it now, honestly. I'd always, uh, I, I play a lot as Florida. I'd play with Tebow all the time, obviously. Uh, I like playing with uh, Blaine Gabbert, Mizzou, down the line, which this sounds weird saying now that we know who Blaine Gabbert became in the NFL, but Blaine Gabbert was cracked out in that game. It was unbelievable. 
But I uh, know I'll, I'll give my quick little Alec Pierce spiel here to get back on topic and going back to his high school days, like at Glenbard West, he played, I, I have it down here. Cause I, whenever I take my notes, I look through their uh, like player bios on the website and stuff to see like how many years. Their athletic histories and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, their athletic history. And Alec Pierce played football, volleyball, basketball, and track in high school. So that is an athlete right there. And again, he's a big dude, like 6'3", really physical at the catch point, great hands, great deep speed. I have down here deceptive agility after the catch. And I so swear. He's a, he's a white wide receiver. <laughs> I got I, it. I, I swear. I swear that's not because he's a white guy. I swear <laughs> that this. Okay. All right. So because he's a bigger white guy. <laughs> Exactly. He's a bigger he's a, white guy. Because he's a bigger <laughs> white guy. If it, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I, I did that for size, which uh, normally doesn't happen. And normally, if it's deceptively quick, then you know, it kind of fits under that uh, that stereotype, if you will. But no, I, I think Alec Pierce, for someone who's as big as he is, he can move around really well. So, is he raw? Absolutely. I don't think he's a great. Uh, route runner at this stage and he had a season ending injury uh, not this year but the past year so you know there's a a little bit of room for concern but I think that if you're looking for a developmental tool type of guy then Alec Pierce is the way to go for sure because with that size speed and physicality I mean it's tough to find a guy in this class who can match that I do like that he's shown an ability to uh, come back from injury and be, be productive that's that's always a good sign to me I, you know, like I said, one of the things I always put stock in for receivers is are you willing to mix it up in the run game? Are you still going the full throttle if the plate isn't designed to be thrown your way? Like that was something I noticed, for instance, going back to a couple years ago with the senior bowl, Denzel Mims, if you turned his tape on, if the ball wasn't projected to come with him, he quit on the play. It's just something he did. And that bugs me. He, if you're not willing to sell it, put your nose in it, do certain things. Those are all like just things. It's like, ding, ding, ding. Nope. Done. So Pierce kind of like for the small stuff that I really enjoy, Pierce does a lot of that where he is willing to do that. So moving on from receivers, let's move on to everyone's favorite position because you can't do an NFL draft show without it. I'm going to get my pitch. I'm sure people are going to get their pitchforks and their, their uh, torch is ready for me. There is not a single first-round quarterback in this class, and you can't convince me otherwise. <laughs> You're not alone <laughs> I, in saying that. No, I know that. And when I saw uh, from The Athletic, the guy who, who does The Beast every year, whose name is a, is a Dane Brugler. Dane Brugler, one of the best in the business there is. He doesn't have a single quarterback inside his top third. You know what? That is vindication. That's what that is, my friends. (laughs) And is it to say I dislike these quarterbacks? No, it does not. It means if you're going to take one of these guys top 15, you better be damn well certain. Like, I I can't really bring myself to put guys like Kenny Pickett as the first quarterback in the draft just because he leaves so much to be desired. Like, cool, he played for Pitt. Neat. He he was good. Dan Marino. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like like so did Tyler Palco. Tyler Palco played for Pitt. 
Joe Flacco like, was going to play for Pitt, and then Dave Watson showed up. He's like, I'd rather go play in Delaware. <laughs> so, again, Kenny Pickett, probably like my QB three or four. I don't have my quarterback rankings in front of me just because I really don't care about this position this year. There's good players. There's players that you really need a scheme fit for in ver- versus like guys like Lawrence, uh, Fields, Wilson, Matt Jones. They're all kind of like you can build your offense around them versus you need a more tailored kind of offense for these guys, if that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. If, if, I, if I had to give you the, if you want the highest swing, I don't even think he's QB one in my rankings. I think he's probably QB two, but the biggest swings Malik Willis. And he, I guess, balled out after the first day down there. But I, I have questions about him because again, another one of my small things that I don't like is old players that when you, that are old when you draft them. Malik Willis is going to be 23 before he ever plays an NFL snap. Like that's, that means when you're signing him doing his extension, he's 28, 29 years old. Like that worries me. Yeah. There are concerns about this quarterback class. And like, so I'm trying not to be broken by 2017, but I remember early in the 2017 <laughs> process that like there were, there were people who were saying, that you know, there's not a first round quarterback in this class. Like I remember mock drafts having Deshaun Watson going in the second round. I remember an ESPN ranking that had Nathan Peterman ahead of Patrick Mahomes. I don't think there's a quarterback in this class who is gonna see their stock skyrocket the way that Mahomes and people eventually came around to Watson. Um, just my concern if I was looking for a quarterback is how soon can I play them? Because it's the most important position on the field. If I'm going to draft a quarterback who needs time, that means I also have to hit in free agency. It's asking for a lot. And I'm glad the Bears don't have to do that this year. Yeah, so that that is uh, for sure. Yeah, and I'll just pitch in here because I do want to talk a little bit about Malik Willis. So full disclosure, he's my QB1 right now. And do I think that he's the most polished guy in this class? No. Do I think he's the best decision maker in this class? No. And uh, I do have two QBs in my top 30 as it stands right now, but only one of them's in my top 20. So uh, generally I'm not as low maybe on that class, but in terms of a pure first round grade, I don't know if there's going to be a guy who carries that on my board. So, but the reason I have Malik Willis at QB one is, I want to put it this way. I have similar grades with him and Kenny Pickett. Those are my top two quarterbacks in this class right now. And the thing that makes uh, Malik Willis stand out to me is if he doesn't improve his decision-making, he's still an elite athlete at quarterback who teams will have to account for in some way. And if he does hit, then he's a dual threat maniac. And I think that, Yes, his decision-making with the ball isn't great. He can do a better job of uh, low-on ball security and just generally uh, not forcing throws. And he trusts his arm a little bit too much. But you're still looking at a guy with solid natural timing in his throws, a guy with a cannon of an arm, and someone who's one of the best athletes at quarterback that we've seen in recent years. And that's saying a lot. Like, I mean, from – Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray to uh, potentially a Justin Fields or something like that. You know, those, the Trey Lance, those kinds of athletes, 
Malik Willis is up there. I think he enters the NFL as a top three pure athlete at the quarterback position. And I think that's what separates him for me. And even with all those concerns, even with like, okay, he's a bit undersized. He's, you know, six foot flat and maybe he's still a work in progress. Not maybe he is, he definitely is. But I think for those reasons alone, uh, you're looking at Willis as a potential game breaker. So Again, I'm not super high on this QB class, but if there's anyone I'm taking a swing on, it's probably going to be Malik Willis. Give me the guy with the loud tools. Yep, pretty much, and that's why I have Matt Corral at that same thing. Tools, it's just that that's the guy. Like, tools you want tools, you want fun. Push. Yeah, Corral is fun. <laughs> he, Corral is chaos is what he is. It's like, Jesus, dude, what are you doing? But it, it is what it is. Um. So I guess we'll we'll each touch on one more player and then we'll wrap it up here before we get out. Uh, let's do one more word from our sponsors and then uh, we'll get out of here. And we're back. So we all know the Bears are transitioning back to the more comfy feeling cover two base, if that's what you want to call it, defense. And that leads me to the Bears don't have a mic. Not in my opinion, at least. I think uh, Roquan Smith is probably the – Lance Briggs or whatever you want to call him of this defense under Matt Eberflus. He's going to be on the field all the time. I don't want people to take that out of the context of the amount of nickel and dime they're going to be playing. But um, down there uh, was a man who plays like his hair is set on fire. And that is Mr. Chad Muma. Mm. And I think Chad Muma would be a, I know Adam Hogue had him as the, 39th pick for them in his first rendition of a mock draft that he puts out every year leading up to the draft. I don't know if I'd take him that high, but he definitely is a fit as a more pure Mike backer in this system. And I really like how he plays. He's very instinctual. He's there to hit you. He's filling his gaps. He's running around. He's doing everything that you want a linebacker to do, which is really just clean up what the defensive line opens up for you. Just funnel things hit to him and Roquan and make your hits, make your plays. I don't think he's anything sexy because, you know, unless you're an edge getting a lot of sacks or you're just the most ridiculously looking fluid athlete at the mic position, you're never going to be that sexy of a player. You're kind of just there to clean up the dirty work. I, I, what do you guys think on him? I like Chad Muma a lot. and. Again, I don't know if I'd go second round with him, but if he falls in the third round, I'm definitely jumping on that. And I I know that a lot of, you know, I don't want to say a lot, but maybe some Bears fans aren't totally sold on a linebacker uh, being an early round pick just because, oh, they need help at receiver, cornerback, offensive line. Those are generally the three consensus big needs. And I, I agree with that for sure. But if a value comes along at linebacker, if a value comes along at, defensive tackle I mean we'll see what happens with Bilal and Akeem Hicks and what they do at that position but uh there are a lot of different directions they can go in and I think there are a few more directions than people tend to consider so again I think Muma for how big he is he's like 240 but he can move very well yeah he moves pretty well yeah and he's he's physical he's able to shed blocks pretty well which you know, as linebackers seem to be getting smaller and smaller, that's a little bit of an issue for some guys, but that's not the case for Muma. And I think that there's uh, 
there are some things to clean up with him. I think that his, uh, I think that, I mean, as a tackler, he's decent. I don't want to say he's an elite tackler necessarily. And I feel like his angles are again, not bad, but can improve a little bit. And then there's the whole uh, playing level situation. Like, is he going to be able to adjust to a faster, more physical NFL? But I, I do like Chad Muma. I think that there's a lot of tools with him and, you know, like we've been saying a lot throughout this show, uh, tools are good. And if you get a guy like Muma, especially in round three, in my opinion, that's a guy you got to consider. Yeah, man. Tell, don't tell me about what you think a guy can't do. Tell me, tell me what he can do. And I think Muma is the kind of guy who you kind of know what he can be based on what he does well. And oh, man, I, I go back and forth between thinking I'd be apoplectic if they drafted a second round linebacker, but like just this profile is the type of linebacker is just like, Oh oh yeah. The bears made a good choice here. So yeah, I've seen Muma in, in rounds two, three, and four in mock drafts. Uh, I like, man, it's the kind of draft class with those kinds of players. was like, man, I wish the bears had more picks. This would be a great year to have just a high volume of picks. Hopefully, you know, just me. My ideal situation is someone falls in love with someone at 39 who the Bears aren't in love with, and the Bears can just like stock up some picks, move back. For sure. Like it, it, it's it's a very unfortunate situation the Bears are in going into this offseason for all intents and purposes. They have no almost no players under contract, which that 30 or five million dollar cap number you keep seeing getting floated around is really kind of like the game portal, the cake is a lie. You know, it's not that that uh, that number isn't real. Like once you start factoring in everyone that needs to be signed, new money that might be needing to give be given out, whether they bring back Bilal Nichols or someone like James Daniels, and they only have five picks. Like they're not really in a super great position to just pick pick a luxury. You know, they got to pick things they actually need, which is my 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 personal opinion. Like you gotta go if you're gonna do the the free agency thing, you're gonna go heavy wide, go heavy free agency for offense. Yeah, and and you're gonna do more your defensive. Hey, Matt, coach, be coach, coach, and coach these dudes up on defense. That's the path. That, that that's, that's to me path. at least. I am I saying I'm right? No, but it feels like the most logical way to approach this, unless you're gonna rip down the team and start trading your assets off. And I, I don't think Ryan wasting, Poles is going to do that. And at that point, you're wasting Justin Fields' rookie contract. Which is the biggest market inefficiency in football. A young, cheap quarterback that hasn't been extended yet. All right. Any other players you guys want to touch on before we get out of here? One guy or I, another? I have another that I do want to touch on. Because uh, when you went down that uh, – that linebacker rabbit hole talking about Muma. There's one other guy that popped into my head and I don't know. Is if he, he from was... Oklahoma? How did you know? <laughs> because I had him highlighted on my spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, again. And so Brian Osamoa is the guy we're talking about here. And yeah, there it is. <laughs> I, I don't. So here's the thing. He played a lot of Mike at Oklahoma. I don't know if he's a Mike at the next level. I think you could slot him in as project him as a will. I think that's definitely possible, but 
I wouldn't rule out putting him as a Mike. And even though he's, he's smaller, he's six foot flat, 222 pounds, but he's got really long arms. Like I, I don't have it off the top of my head or, you know, I don't have it up right now, but if I'm not mistaken, he has the longest wingspan of any linebacker who is down in mobile. And he's someone who's only six feet tall. So you've got some dangly arms right there. Dangly. I don't know if that's the best adjective. I was trying to think of, <laughs> I was trying to think of a way to describe it that wasn't that wasn't uh concerning or not safe for work, but uh I <laughs> could have said gangly. I, I could have. I could have. That probably would have been better in the grand scheme of things, but I've uh, I've dug myself a hole, so now I'm stuck in it. But with Asamoah, I think that you're looking at a guy who's very athletic. He, he's obviously smaller, but he moves well. He's got very good straight line speed. He's fluid moving around in space. Good in coverage, too. And I don't think – I think play strength is a bit of an issue for him. But he's smart, he's fast, and he plays hard. And I think that that's huge for – uh, anyone in need of a linebacker. So he, again, I don't know how high he goes because it seems like the consensus is all over the place with him. Some people have him like round two, round three. Others have him all the way down in round five. I have honestly no idea where he goes. I'm in that uh, round three, round four range for him right now, but there's a lot to like with him for sure. And if you're looking for, uh, speed, just explosiveness, athleticism at linebacker position. Osimo is one of the best guys you can get in this class. So we'll see, I'm interested in seeing how he tests because I think he could put, put together a really good athletic profile at the combine. Correct. So you said that, and I just was scrolling through, and I know he kind of had a great week down in Mobile, but I want to bring up just because uh, just because he um, is – Boston College grad Brian Poles and Zion Johnson had a hell of a week down there and his tape plays too. And I'm curious, just want to pose the hypothetical because he, he's got interior versatility where he can play center or guard. It doesn't seem like Cody White here is going to be here past this season unless he drastically changes the trajectory that he's on. And I'm not sure James Daniels is going to be brought back at probably the tune of nine or $10 million a year, as much as I would like him back because I think he's a good player but they have to pick and choose where their money goes. And I'm curious just on this hypothetical, if Zion Johnson makes it to 39, do you trade back or do you run to the podium? Man, it depends on what they do in free agency. If yeah, that's, that's the the glaring need and that's the best player available. I'm super into him. He's a guy who caught my eye in mobile and then watching and reading I'd, I'd run, I'd run to the podium and take them and figure out like immediately don't do the, the white hair Daniels thing and flip and flop and, and got him this year at this position and that position next year, figure it out. Like, like literally go into that draft room with, Hey, if this guy is available and we can draft him, this is going to be his role. That is what I would like to see. If, You're saying if, you don't want the Ryan Pace special of everyone's flip-flopping offensive line positions every offseason? You don't want that? I love versatility, and I love that potential. If, like, if necessary, I love that Cody Whitehair can play three different spots on the line. I just don't want him 
playing them all three like three different years. <laughs> For sure. All right. Is that about all we got today, guys? Or is there one? I have I have a I have a project for you guys. Uh oh. What's that? I need you guys to find me this year's T. Higgins. I need the receiver who everyone's like, man, shouldn't that guy have been a first round pick? And he falls into the second round right into the Bears' laps. That's what I'm looking for this year. Uh, Alec Pierce, sir. We found him. Go away. (laughs) (laughs) Ask the manager. Love it. (laughs) No, you know what? That's a good question, especially because. Looking back on T's testing, T does not te- did not test well. He's this like long, slow, spindly, gangly wide receiver. Like he kind of looks weird, but he yeah. he's productive. He wins, but he's productive and he wins. And it's like that that guy is hard to find because it's almost like players like him is or are players like him are exceptions not rules almost and i liked t coming out and then i saw his testing and because you know i'm a human and i see oh he ran a four six can't do that like not fully realizing that how many times are these guys running 40 yards in a straight line during the course of a game yeah no that's true and i think that with higgins obviously the build-up speed was a bit of a concern but he's showing that uh, you know, his size, his hands, his technical abilities as a route runner, even if he's not the most explosive guy, he's still able to create separation. So, you know what that means? I have gone an entire episode without mentioning the wide receiver that I believe fits that mold to a T, David Bell. I'm done. Oh, my God. Stop it that. Is. I'm not talking right, David about Bell. David Bell anymore. I just that, that's my obligatory David I just, Bell. I, I just had I just had to plug him. There, there he is, David Bell. <laughs> Hello, how are you? Right, cool. <laughs> well, gents, uh, Luis, thank you for joining us. I look forward to reading what you got coming out on Bleacher Nation Bears. Uh, Jacob, till next time. And I just want to leave this with you. Leave this with you guys as we wrap this show up. Today is two twenty-two. 22 on a Tuesday. So happy Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Screw you. I can't get the pity laughs. You guys suck. Come on, come on, come on. I'm going to be real. I thought you were going to be making a a Glenn Lerner reference. That's what I was thinking. (laughs) I thought you were going to go with a Rick Ross reference. I was weaning Rick Ross at some point, but I just kind of just stayed the course of it's two two uh, or Lerner and Rope two 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 twenty two twenty. God, if you're I'm not from the Chicago area and you hear me say that jingle, I'm sorry, but that that just that, that will forever haunt me. He's got a Vegas office, and I was I was gone in Vegas when and I saw the commercial. I'm like, no, you're in Chicago. <laughs> all right guys enjoy your tuesday because of the immense amount of twos on said tuesday you it is mandatory that you eat tacos so go get yourself some birria or something like that whatever you want to do yeah and uh enjoy the rest of your tuesday we're gonna get out of here louis hopefully we can help have you on one more time before the draft comes. wait i'll be looking forward to it yeah absolutely take care guys enjoy your day Thank you. All right. We'll see you guys.